know, we um, as a church want to fulfill that as part of our commission. And uh, so, you know, Sreece and I have talked about becoming a host family. I, I think we're going to become, I, I say that, I'm looking back at her, but we're going to become a host family so that uh, we can help in, in whatever way we can. So, you know, my level of commitment to this um, is not just to talk about it, to bring it to you, but um, let's do this and let's become a church that helps to take care of these that need the help. So she'll be here after the service. Um, if you have questions and, and maybe you think I don't want to be a host family or I can't or I'm not at the place I can be, uh, but maybe you can be a, a coach. Uh, maybe you can uh, help recruit. Maybe, there's all kinds of different ways to be involved in this, but uh, listen, this is what God has called us to do. So, And um, now it is so fitting that today we're going to wrap up our whole series of messages uh, that we have been involved in on this movement series with the uh, message I've titled it, Welcome Home. Welcome Home. And uh, just to kind of give you an idea, th isn't it interesting that God has taken us through this journey uh, through 2020 in the church, not the pandemic, but uh, of love and what that is, of His grace, of, of who He is, of His... Um, glory and what he wants to do holy spirit in our lives i just think it's awesome he's he's taken us through that and now uh, i feel like god is inviting us has asked us to be a part of this movement that he started 2000 years ago by creating our own movement in the world that we find ourselves in right now uh, in your community in this community of lantana but we i know that we have people who represent argyle people who represent flower mound uh, highland village lewisville I don't want to leave people out. I know that we're, we represent, but your community becomes your mission field. It's uh, what you said, global. Is that what you said? Uh, not only are we involved in global missions, but local mission, which can be to your neighbor. It can be to a family in need, like the safe families. So um, he wants us to be part of the movement. And as part of this, so we've, we've talked about, and I'll just run real quick, and I promise I'm going to be brief today because I know we've went a little bit long with all of the things that we've done, the moving part. So um, I don't know how quick, but I'm going to try to do it in about 20 minutes, okay? So stay with me. But today's so important, and I'm so excited about today, this last one. People of a movement all have this things in common. Uh, they all have the... Uh, similar ideas and similar uh, things going on for them. And so I began to look at what do people of this movement that Jesus started, what do they look like? Now, there, there's a lot of things uh, that, that could be, but this is where God has led me right now. So uh, some things are we need to be kingdom-minded to see people the way that Jesus saw people, right? We talked about that. Uh, we talked about being joyful. People of a movement, of this Jesus movement, are joyful people. Joy is different from happiness, remember, because happiness is uh, something that is influenced uh, by outside and your external circumstance. Joy is something found inside by the Holy Spirit. We also talked about something that's very exciting to me. You can tell I'm trying to go fast through this introduction. I just want to catch you up. By the way, you can go back and listen to the podcast for every single one of these messages or get online and watch everyone. I think the teaching is good, not because I did it, but it's what God has led us to. So go back and, and review if you want. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about something that's very exciting, and that's being a sanctified people. It's, it's the cornerstone of our message on freedom, being sanctified. When we turn everything over to God, we can be set free from the bondage of sin in our lives. And that's what people of a movement look like, really. Just go back and study the disciples and see 
uh, what they looked like. Another thing we talked about is that people of a movement, of Jesus' movement, are praying people. Not only do we have the directive to pray, we looked at the, the scripture, ask, seek, and knock, giving us a directive, you have to pray, but we also need to become desperate in our prayer for God to start this movement among us. Um, during this last week, we had the uh, snowpocalypse. I've been calling it snowpocalypse. I think I was the first one, by the way, to call it snowpocalypse. Um, hashtag first. So I don't know if that's, uh, the, you know, I'll claim it. But uh, during this, this last week, and it was miserable for a lot of people. Some people had no electricity. Uh, the lucky ones never lost electricity. Uh, we were part of the ones that had electricity off and on. So still blessed. Uh, we had heat sometimes, and we have a gas fireplace. Uh, so all of that. But uh, my point, what I'm getting to, we, had a, we have a generator at our house. Now, listen, this is a generator that you use when you go camping. It's a little tiny generator that will run just a couple of things. And um, the, ki the kids didn't understand why, since we have a generator, when the electricity went off, everything went off. And I'm like, well, you know, electricity isn't work quite like that. I can't run the whole house in this little uh, generator. But uh, still, when the generator ran out of gas, they, again, they didn't understand. Um, so where did the electricity go? Well, we ran out of gas. And nobody has gas right now because it was some kind of snowpocalypse happening. And... Uh, but the, the point is, prayer is like that gas. If you want to start this thing, it's going to start in prayer. You've got to dive deep into who God is and, and, and get to know Him well. So in, in what we've talked about, if we're going to be people of a movement, if we're going to spread the message of freedom, we're going to be people who see the, sees others like He does, people who are full of joy, people who are sanctified, people who are... Uh, relying on God, what's inside will reflect who He is. And we have to be people who pray. And last week we talked about being bold. We have to be bold people. Not bold as part of your personality, but bold and willing to tell people about Jesus. You just have to be willing to tell people about Jesus. You may be the kind that can stand up and preach to a thousand people and they're going to get saved, like Billy Graham. But you may be the type that is going to talk to your neighbor one at a time. Listen, we've got to do something because if you remember, it takes 40 people, 40 Christians, statistically, one year to convert one person. Did you know that? 40 Christians in the United States, one year to convert one person. That's ridiculous. Whenever you go back to the movement that Jesus started and thousands were being added. Today I want to look at what it means to be a welcoming people. Also, so very important. People who are part of this movement are, can't be a closed-off group. We can't shut the door. We have to be willing to bring people in. We can't be a private club. We have to say all people are welcome here, and they need to feel that we are welcoming people. You never know what you're going to get when you go to somebody's house. Am I right? Have you noticed that? You just never know. Some people, you walk into their house, they sit on the couch, and they say, hey, come sit on the couch. Make yourself at home. I've been to some folks' house, and I feel like I shouldn't touch anything. <laughs> sit on the edge of the couch. Don't touch anything. I went to Carlsbad Caverns when I was a kid. This is why I don't get, um, I don't know. So I, I try to be very patient with my son, who's nine years old. Um, because I know that he's, no matter what happens, still a better kid than I was, okay? We'll just go there. I'm not sure how my parents did it, to be honest. 
So here I stand, uh, the perfect, well, maybe not perfect, but I, I, you know, I feel like I I grew up okay. Now, um, but I wasn't a good kid because I remember we went to Carlsbad Caverns. Anybody been to Carlsbad Caverns if you're here? If you're on, yeah, it's a beautiful place. Love Carlsbad Caverns. If you haven't been, you should go. I don't know if they're open right now, COVID-wise, but uh, when they are open. So make your way to the Carlsbad Caverns at some point in your life. We went when I was a kid. And I can remember uh, walking through, and for a boy of about nine years old, it is impossible to walk in that place and not imagine everything in there was made for you, right? Because it's like every little nook and cranny and places to hide and places to make forts and places to have your pretend battles with your friends. It's just, it's this awesome place and stalagmites and stalactites and all the rock formations, beautiful. Well, I got us kicked out, just so you know nine years old because I imagine that this was made for me. Why can't I touch everything around? Um, And after enough touching, the guide made us leave. I got in trouble for that one. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, some people's houses are like that. Don't touch this. Don't touch. You got the rope place? Some people are like, you know, come on in. Welcome home. There are those of us or, or people who invite you in, but you never really feel at ease. Then there's others who say, welcome home. Now listen, if you tell us, welcome in, make yourselves at home, Sarisa's going to go and make a Coke. So just so you know, that's not true. She doesn't do that. I'm the one who would do that, but um, I got into a friend's car. They got a new car. New cars are awesome. Have you ever noticed? Because every new car has so many new buttons. She told me to quit pressing all the buttons. Like, wow, look at this. What is this button doing? This button and this button. And Teresa was like, would you please quit touching all the buttons? Formal living room, right? Remember those? Formal, some of you have them. Sometimes you go in someone's house and you just feel at ease. It's kind of like going into your own home. You just feel welcome. This is how we want to be. This is how, as Christians, we must be. I'm not talking about your home necessarily, but maybe that's the case. I'm talking about us as people and this church generally. Our lives should ooze welcomeness because we follow Jesus. Today our scripture, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. And by the way, the the notes are in the Bible app if you want to look, or the church's app. If you go to the uh, Bible app, you can get there that way, or download the church's app and the, the notes for today's message. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Just two verses. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. (laughs) This scripture actually precedes something that we talked about a few weeks ago, the story of the lost coin. Remember, and that was where we talked about being kingdom-minded. The, the woman who had ten coins lost one and then just went through her whole house trying to find it. This story precedes that. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers he was talking to were really the religious watchdogs of their day. They made sure that everyone followed every rule that was written. They were, they were going around and they were checking it all out. It was surely a shock that Jesus would welcome these sinners these men and these women of ill repute, and he would eat with them. (laughs) Can you believe it? So this is Luke 15. If you go into Luke 14, just to get this thing in context, Jesus was invited to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. Now, it it seems like 
He wanted to stir things up a little bit, and Jesus tended to do that with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, with the teachers. And so he asked a question, and the question was this, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And remember, for them, there were three things that were the most important. If you look through Scripture, this was what was most important. Sabbath-keeping, dietary law, and circumcision. Sabbath was one of the, the most important things to the people in Jesus' day. It was, it was and, and I don't want to get into it deep now, but it was how they could judge if you were a, a believer in God or not, because these were three things that they could see. So Jesus says, hey, is it lawful? Can I, is it allowed to heal somebody on the Sabbath? Well, Scripture says they didn't say anything. So what did he do? He healed a man right in front of him as was something Jesus would do. So he pressed on the Pharisee who had invited him about the way that he had invited his friends. They were all jockeying for position because the way the tables were made up, you know, you had the person at the head of the table and the closer you sat to the head, the more important you were. And so the friends were all trying to be the most important. Who could sit closer? Jesus said, if you really want to impress somebody, this is in Luke, or in uh, yeah, Luke 14. If you really want to impress somebody, then you should go out and invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Why not do something that benefits those who need it rather than inviting people who only want to move up in the social ladder? So Jesus said, as the Son of God, this doesn't impress God. This kind of a thing. If you really want to impress God, kick all these people out. Bring in the, the ones who don't have, who can't have. So by now, Jesus had really kind of stirred the pot. People were gathering around to see what was going to happen, including tax collectors and sinners. And that's where we pick this up. And the first point is this. We need to reach across the barriers of prejudice. This man eats with sinners. That's what they said. This man eats with sinners. And I'm going to say that there might not be a more wonderful statement about Jesus in all the scripture. There might not be than him saying uh, Jesus, than they, them saying Jesus eats with scripture, uh, with sinners. Jesus eats with sinners. How wonderful for you and for me that Jesus would choose to eat with sinners right? On a side note, I want you to understand that while Jesus did, and he did it often, it was his practice to eat with sinners and to spend time with them, it also is not a free release for us to justify some of our actions and who we spend time with. I've heard people say, well, you know what? Jesus ate with the sinners, so that's who I'm spending my time with. If you look at who he spent the bulk of his time with, the, the lion's share of his time, the, the people he talked about God with, the people he bled with, were the 12, his inner circle, the close ones, the ones that he was mentoring. And we should all be being mentored by somebody. That's who he was spending his, his that time with, his, his close time, his important time. Christian fellowship will always be important. But somewhere we must be willing to reach across our barriers of prejudice to other people. Be an accepting person. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How many of us have spent a lifetime wanting to be accepted? I, I mean, I, I'm not even going to go through all the things that I did early in life. Tr 
trying to be accepted, trying to find my place. Try, and probably many of you have the same kind of stories. We all want to be accepted, but maybe we feel our grades aren't good enough, or our job isn't good enough, or our house, or our car, or our clothes aren't good enough. Maybe we're too young, or we're too old, or we don't smell right. I don't know. There's, like, there's any number of things that we could say. Some of us may have tried to respond to God, but we didn't feel good enough, like we had done enough. We didn't make the, the, we didn't have the right clothes on, or we didn't feel comfortable around the people that we were with. Church is notorious for accepting everyone as long as they look right and dress right and act right and think right. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what churches are, are notorious for. I heard a story about a man that was about to throw himself off a bridge and into a river. Another man saw him, and he ran up to him, and he said, hey, why, why, why are you going to jump off the bridge? And he said, well, I've got nothing to live for. Well, don't you believe in God? Well, he said, I do. What a, what a coincidence. So do I. Are you a Jew or a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian. Hey, what a coincidence. So am I. Are you a Catholic or a Protestant? I'm a Protestant. Oh, coincidence or not? I'm a, I'm a Protestant too. Are you Baptist or Nazarene? Oh, I'm Nazarene. Hey, what a coincidence. Me too. Amillennial or postmillennial? Oh, I'm, I'm uh, amillennial. Hey, me too. Pre-trib or post-trib rapture? Well, I'm post-trib. At this, the guy pushed him off the bridge and said, heretic. <laughs> you see, we're willing to accept people as long as they think and believe and act and dress and smell like we do. We've got to expand our boundaries. We've got to learn to get along with everybody because it is by being a welcoming people that others will begin to see the love of Jesus in us. Put aside socioeconomic and cultural and gender and racial boundaries and, and reach other people. The, the Samaritan woman in John 4 Man, I wish I could preach a whole thing on this. I'll just give you the highlights. John 4, Samaritan woman, one of my favorite stories um, in all the scripture. Jews hated Samaritans. They despised them. Uh, Josephus, the historian, he said that um, they were opportunists because when Jews prospered, Samaritans claimed to be Jew. And then when Jews were failing or having a hard time, they would uh, disown them. See, Samaritans were part Jew. So when it benefited them, they said, oh, we're Jews also. And then when it didn't, they said, oh, we're not Jews. So the Samaritan woman, she was a woman. In fact, the rabbis taught that a Samaritan woman was perpetually unclean. Now, I don't want to get into all the Old Testament uh, law about this, but if somebody was unclean, they could not enter the temple to worship, right? And if you touched somebody or something that was unclean, then you had to go through a cleansing process to get back so that you could go to the worship. Now, they taught that Samaritan women were perpetually unclean. Any man who touched them would be ceremonially unclean, unable to come into the temple. So, in John chapter 4, we read that Jesus said all that aside. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? 
So he's, he's going to make himself unclean. His disciples had gone into town to buy food, so there was nobody there. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. All people have the same basic need for forgiveness, regardless of race and regardless of gender and regardless of status in life. They all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. Everyone else needs forgiveness. When we ex receive the forgiveness of Christ, that doesn't automatically put us into a club that excludes everybody else. It puts us into a club that's the least exclusive club because everybody should be able to come with us. If you continue reading, it talks about Jesus. He offered forgiveness, not condemnation. Uh, chapter 4 verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus knew everything about her. He knew her past. He knew, he knew who she was. There were no secrets with Jesus. He knew. And yet, he didn't condemn her. I'm scared to let people know my secrets because they're going to condemn me, right? You feel the same way. I don't want people to know. But Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, in the flesh, did not condemn this woman. If only we could be more like Jesus. If anybody had a right to condemn her, he did. Right? But Jesus offered her forgiveness, not condemnation. The last thing is this. We need to meet people where they are. You've got to meet people where they are. You know, he went to sinners' houses over and over and over. The Pharisees got upset because he went to sinners' houses. Now, again, don't this can't be an excuse for us to go to somebody's house and sin. <laughs> it is our job to go and represent Christ to them where they are without condemnation. But I want to bring that around now to the church. What about the church? Have you ever visited a new place? A, a new gym, maybe? When I first moved here, I, I do CrossFit. I mean, I do CrossFit so I can eat, so don't judge me. <laughs> Um, and I, I went to several places looking for a new gym. And that was crazy. I hadn't experienced anything like that in such a long time that like everywhere you walk in, they look you up and down. You know, they're like judging you. And I settled on the, the one over here, which is non-judgmental. I love the owner, uh, the CrossFit Flower Man. But a new gym, a new church. A, a, uh, nobody came to talk to you. You were relegated to the kids' table. Right? You ever felt that way? Our church should never be that place. Our church should never be that place. We have to train ourselves to welcome every new person that comes into this building. Regardless of what they look like or what they smell like or where they come from. We've got to be careful because we come to a place and we begin to feel like it's our place 
right? We take ownership of it. We, we feel entitled to what we have, to the free donuts and the coffee and the, oh, you can't, are you new? I don't know if you should have a donut quite yet. <laughs> Did you fill out your visitor's card? I don't know. If you don't fill that out, then, which by the way, if you're here today and you're new or you're watching online, fill that out and uh, you'll get a gift. But listen, we need to be welcoming. It doesn't matter. Don't expect that people who are new are going to come to you because they will not. It's not going to happen. You need to go to them. So my challenge to you as people in this building now, if you're online and when you come here, we want the, the same thing if you're in person. Welcome everybody who comes in. Don't assume somebody else has already welcomed them. Don't do it. Did you know it takes seven points of contact, statistically, in the first five minutes for somebody to feel welcome, and if they will, and, and they're going to make that decision in the first five minutes of if they will return to the church or not. The first five minutes, seven points of contact. People may act like they don't want it, but they do. Seven times in five minutes. That's what it takes. We have to be welcoming of people. You know, we sing a song that I love. We're going to actually sing it. It's gonna, we're going to close with it in a minute called It Is Well With My Soul. You guys know that one? It is well with my soul. We are confident that because we have Jesus Christ in our lives, it is well with our soul. It gives us a peace. It gives us an internal satisfaction. It is well with my soul because I know Jesus. People who don't know Jesus don't have that confidence. They, they don't say to themselves, it is well with my soul. They struggle. They claw for position. They talk bad about people. They're probably going to talk bad about you. But that can't affect us. People who don't know Jesus are on guard because they haven't been welcomed. If we're going to be people of a movement, and this is important, this is like the last sentence of six weeks of messages. If we're going to be people of a movement, if we're going to start a revolution in North Texas, then we will be a welcoming people. And others will know it because they will see that we are welcoming. They will see it in us. So my question this morning is, are you ready to tell the unchurched people in your life, welcome home. Welcome home. You are welcome here. And you are welcome, it, it may be, it, you are welcome at my house. Just, that's where safe families are so appropriate for today. Because we're telling people who can't make it otherwise, people whose kids we don't know, mamas who are struggling and need help, we're saying to them, welcome home. People come through these doors, unchurched, don't know Jesus. We've got to say, welcome home. So that's my challenge to all of us. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but every person that comes in, say, welcome home. God, this morning as we close with this song and we sing about how it is well with our soul. 
how we're so excited about what you've done with us, about the peace that we have because Jesus, you live in our hearts. The Holy Spirit abides in us. We've been sanctified. We have that assurance. I pray that you would help us to live a life where we say constantly, welcome home. <laughs> We're welcoming people that it might be written about us that we ate with sinners. That we welcomed sinners into this church building. And that many, many people came to know Jesus Christ because Holy Spirit, you enabled us to be welcoming people. Thank you, God, that it is well with our soul. Now put a burden in us that we want to see every person have that same assurance and all can say it is well.